We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. You think you know who's going to win the fight this weekend? Well, Put your money where your mouth is. You want to get on the action if you're going to bet online. You want to get on at the safest online sports book in the world. And quite frankly, after some research and such, I personally am not a better, but I find that this is the only one that I would even be interested in recommending to my listeners. Before we ever have any product on as a sponsor, you do your due diligence. You've done that here. And not only can you bet on the fights this weekend, you can bet on all combat sports. MyBookie.ag offers action on every single sport that you can think of even e-gaming. And Bruce, I believe we have a promo code for our listeners to actually get a little bonus if they sign up. It's nothing other than my last name. Just put in BUFFER in capitals, if you will, B-U-F-F-E-R in capitals, and take advantage of what mybookie.ag has for you. One thing I want to tell you, though, they get lightning fast payouts. That's very important because if you're going to put your money down on a bet, you want to make sure that you get something in return. And you can even create your own play. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Air prop wagers using this special thing they have, which is called a prop machine. Create your own matchups and wagers between any ball players that are actually in action that day. You play, you win, you get paid. It's simple as that. MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code BUFFER. <laughs> With Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping. To the Great Wall of China and back to the streets of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about, but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on It's Time. President Trump, other politics, film, TV, sex, drugs, rock and roll, and all the current events happening in the world it's No Holds Barred Radio, and we are here to talk about a lot today. I'm with my co-host, TJ DeSantis. TJ, it's been a week since we spoke. How is TJ DeSantis? I'm better. Last week, I had a little bit of an issue. I had a mouth injury. It prevented us from doing the show normally. Uh, I'm going to lose a tooth, Buff. I don't like it. I don't like being 34 years old. I'm going to lose a tooth. My son uh, inadvertently headbutted me in the pool the other day, and it Ooh. broke one of my teeth down by the, uh, the jawbone. And unfortunately, the thing's got to come out. But uh, you know this better than anybody. When you work in the business that we do, you have to be very meticulous when you plan uh, things. And, and one thing you have to worry about with, with show business, if you want to call it that, is uh, getting dental procedures done. Because I'm going to have a, about a week and a half where I won't have a permanent tooth in. And uh, it's right in the front. So i got to get an implant put in. And man, Buff, it's, it's a tough way to lose a tooth. But uh, it's a fun story, I guess. It is a fun story in a way. Um, power well, I mean, my, to your son, son. My, my son and I are losing our, our, our teeth at the same time. It's his first tooth that he's going to lose, and I'm losing one right there with him. So it's kind of sweet in a way. Uh, it sounds like teamwork, but I do agree with you in our business of entertainment. Uh, this is one of the reasons I don't take punches anymore. Obviously, i got to be able to talk to do my job. But, you know, on the good note, just like my dad had me uh, 
boxing and training how to fight even like fresh out of the womb. He was kind of like really fast on that note. You're already teaching your son headbutts at three years old. Uh, good for you. you know, <laughs> I mean, the ref didn't call it, so he's getting away with it. You got to bend the rules a little bit. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Yep, that's true. Very, very true. Well, you know what? It's all about a family affair. You got to take care of, and quite frankly, you're going to have a stronger jaw with the implant. If that's any way to look at it as a positive note, so yeah. Say. I mean, I, no matter what happens, I won't lose that one. No, it'd be the last two standing when that standing time comes. If you know what I'm saying. Yes, sir. I'm very happy to say that my "It's Time" song with Steve Aoki that was released two weeks ago is now broken and on its way to a million and a half downloads already. As far oh, as wow. viewing the music video, it's definitely proving to be a, a big hit. And in that. In that instance, with Steve Aoki, one of the, if not the most popular DJ in the world with the other, you know, fantastic DJs that are out there, but there was a passing last week of the famous DJ from Sweden, Avicii, uh, I think at the age of 28 years old. Tragically, he passed away. Um, I happen to also be a fan of his music. I thought he was one of the best out there. I know other people I've talked to. This man had a lot of fans all around the world. He was found dead in Muscat Omen uh, last Friday on April 20th. Very devastating to his family, who I send my condolences and best wishes to. He has stopped performing to deal with this fact of dealing with his fame, dealing with his fortune, dealing with issues he had from substance abuse, mostly in the form of alcohol. Um, there is no criminal uh, investigation here. This is a tragic passing of a very talented young man who we've lost as far as what he could have done for tens of years to come making the music he's made. So with that being said, I do send my best wishes to the family of Avicii. It is a loss in the electronic music world of major proportions. Um, and that's all I have to say about that. So it, he'll, be, he'll be playing music elsewhere. For sure. It, it's very devastating. And when you look at musicians that have passed um, over the years, there's something about the late 20s, right around 27 uh, there, there, there's an infamous club you don't want to be in, and, and a lot of rock stars have passed away um, in that 27-year-old age category. Avicii you know, misses it uh, by, by a year at 28, but it, it seems like when tragedy strikes music, it, it seems to happen in the late 20s, and, and I think you, know, you kind of alluded to it. it. It's hard for certain artists to deal with, with fame, fortune, and just the expectations that come with that, and uh, the music industry is now even harder to figure out and harder to stay on top. And he was clearly talented, but, uh, you know, I, I just echo your sentiments. Very sad. I uh, hope his family can find peace in this very hard time. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's amazing because the man like Steve Aoki and others, we're talking about a DJ that would make a couple hundred thousand or more a performance for, you know, a 92-hour period. Uh, his fortune was reportedly in the tens of millions. Good for him. But, yes, it is a lot. He was dealing with a lot, and whatever the reasoning, it's it's a major loss. So dealing with money, dealing with fame, it comes in different forms, and we're seeing it in the world of MMA. We've seen it in the world of professional sports, whether it's politics, business, or otherwise. There's a maturity factor that comes with making a lot of money, and that's, you know, that's, that's another story in itself as we sidestep into other stories. But getting away from this tragic situation, which, again, I send my condolences to, there's a couple of stories here that we got to be aware of uh, just for our own. Uh, TJ, I know – I, I happen to love salmon. I'm a lover of salmon. You've I talked eat about it, this, yeah. Yeah, multiple times a week. But now it's gotten to the point, one of the most toxic foods in the world you can eat is salmon. Now, I'm not talking about wild salmon. That is the only salmon you should eat. When you go to a restaurant or if you're buying in a market, ask, is the salmon Wild. The reason why is one of the most toxic forms, uh, toxic foods in the world. Excuse me, is farmed salmon. Uh, you know, unfortunately, in this day and age, we've got to be very conscious and critical about the foods that we eat. And according to Dr. Joseph Mercola, these fisheries that are that are raising farmed salmon, they have a range of severe problems. First off, there's overfishing, chemical pollution, genetic mutation from toxic exposures. I don't think I need to explain what that means. So what you're doing is the flesh of the fish that we eat have actually turned into a deadly chemical cocktail. Yeah. So even even though the, the fish business is booming, right, and there's a lot of fisheries out there, this investigation started in Norway, which obviously has some of the finest salmon in the world. But the Norwegian fjords that contain salmon farms, they found there's a layer of waste about 15 meters high, a layer of waste consisting of bacteria, drugs, pesticides. They've even found traces that we talked about before of 
cocaine in salmon. Now, I don't think how does that even happen? I do not know. I don't think they're snorting it themselves. I do not know. I can't even imagine how it is. The bottom line is there's no safe result. Stay away from farm salmon, which I would assume goes into farm fish. Um, Farm salmon is also said to provide your body, get this, with higher levels of inflammation. And what that means is when your body's inflamed, it can lead to many diseases. Now, those diseases they're touching on, cancer, diabetes, arthritis, coronary artery disease, and even Alzheimer's. Crazy, but true. Now, you know me, TJ. I'm not a fast food eater. This is one of the many reasons that I stay away from fast foods, which is a craze amongst, you know, especially in our country, if not all over the world. People, it's not farmed. It's only wild. Take note, stick to it, and follow it. That's all I can tell you. TJ, do you ever play with Play-Doh? Um, I, yeah, I mean, my son Oliver has Play-Doh. I try to stay away from it because it's always a mess. It's always it's, a mess. It's a mess. It's toxic. But one interesting thing. Yeah, I don't think it's toxic. Um, well, you can you eat Play-Doh. Trust me. Otherwise, kids wouldn't have it. You can eat it. Okay, I'll take that word out. Maybe I mean, I'm rolling over for the salmon story. Right. I don't. I don't suggest you do eat it, but I'm pretty sure that it's uh, it's not going to hurt you. Question to you. Yeah. Do you think Play-Doh was made to be Play-Doh? Uh, I'm. I'm well, being that you're asking me the question, probably not. It's probably not. made for something else, yeah. <laughs> no. Actually, it was uh, developed in the 1920s originally as a wallpaper cleaner. What? That's what Play-Doh was made for. This is where I talk about the toxicity potential. Uh, in the 1920s, a guy named Cleo McVicker um, was basically selling off the assets of a failing Cincinnati soap company called Qtol, right? And during this whole process – he persuaded their parent company in Chicago to let him revive a brand, which turned out to be Play-Doh, which was originally made to clean off the wallpaper. But they found that it was a good little toy, and that's where it came from, and that's where it came from for kids. Interesting little thing, right? Or maybe uh, not. I don't no, know. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it is interesting because there are certain things that are designed for something that end up being uh, huge breakthroughs for other things. I don't know if Play-Doh is necessarily a huge breakthrough, but I mean, most every kid I know – had it growing up, and, and it, most kids today still have it growing up. So I will, I will tell you that you're correct that it's huge. You know why? You had originally it, right? developed. No, well, I did. Yeah, as a kid. Yeah, sure. I mean, I remember did. playing. Yeah, um, you know, back when we, when I was a kid, we didn't have half the toys kids have right. today, much yeah. less the video screens and the and the and you know the Fortnite video games of this world. Um, so Play-Doh is now the number one reusable modeling compound. There's over five hundred million cans produced each year so yeah it's a big hit still a big toy amongst the kids now just kind of on that that same note of inventing one product and having it turn out to be something else i believe that little blue pill uh viagra i believe was meant to treat uh, another sort of condition but ended up being the uh, go-to ed medicine for so many yes it was and i have a little bit of history on this for you in the 1950s i think it was or the 60s if i'm not mistaken they were testing uh a uh, drug on army personnel and Viagra was originally produced. I have to check it for something else, but they noticed that after they gave it to him, they were walking on around with boners, shall we say, if I can say that on the radio. And then it became the product that it is today, which is an ED product, erectile dysfunctional product, uh, which helps people suffering or people that just want to have a dynamite King Kong evening to be ah. the powerhouse that they want to be. And that's where it came from. There you go. Yep, there you go. I forget. I used to remember what they were originally testing it for, but I think it's something example. to do with the heart, uh, blood pressure medicine, or something That's what like that. Circulation, awesome. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, something like that. Well, yeah, it obviously helps blood circulate, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> now we talk about the kids again, and uh, I, I'm reading all this stuff, and I'm hearing about these challenges the kids are getting into. Right. Uh, and Kristen was telling me last night that amongst the young kids, of which my boys and your boy, you know, the young kids, they're doing one thing now as a challenge where they're taking like baking soda and mixing it with 7-Up to see who can throw up quicker. Moronic and stupid, number one. The other moronic and stupid, I'm sorry, I don't mean to shame people by saying this, but it just is not an intelligent thing to do. Kids are snorting condoms, TJ. They're snorting condoms through their nose to pull out through their mouth. Why? I, why? I, I don't know, Bruce. I, I, they, they're still trying to figure it out, like why they they need to do these things. Like they're trying to figure out their own limitations. I, I don't get it. 
I, I think YouTube is a, is a big cause of this, but like, I don't know. I mean, what would you do? Well, first off, I think you would think something completely different if you found Henry running around with this, right? Well, I, I mean, he's 13 now, so I would think that maybe he's feeling his oats a little bit and, you know, somebody handed him one. But, I mean, if I saw him snort one through his nose, we have to have a serious talk. I mean, we'd ha- if I saw one, we would have a talk anyway, as in my version of the talk, you know, because I want him to handle right. himself properly as he grows and matures and, you know, goes through those stages of his life. But if I ever, you know, saw my boys doing the condom challenge, obviously you don't get mad at them and – that you, you have to have a talk with them because the peer pressure these days amongst children, as it was in our days too when we were kids, but they're dealing with so much more now because of technology. And that's where it blows me away. We have all this technology. They're on their screens or whatever, yet they revert back to what seems to me to be like one of the lowest forms of challenges I've ever seen in my life. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Um, I mean the dumbest one I think was the uh – I think they called it the fluffy bunny challenge where you would try to put as many marshmallows as you could in your mouth and then try to say fluffy bunny. And you could uh, die from that. Well, yeah, that can kill you. Um, the, the cinnamon one was sort of funny, but at the same time, like you're, you're, you can inhale cinnamon and, and that can cause a whole bunch of issues. I don't know. I, I don't understand. Like what happened to, hey, I can jump higher than you. That's what kids used to do. I, mm-hmm. I feel like such an old man. I feel like saying right now like oh my toys used to be rocks and sticks but in, in a roundabout way i feel like my childhood was prehistoric compared to you know like i never needed a charger when i was a kid never ever in my life right now oliver knows how to plug things in better than i do what i needed was a baseball bat a baseball glove my toy uh my toy weapons to play army back as a kid which was a big thing with us kids when they used to sell you know toy toy guns and stuff in the stores which is different from today um, and we went out and we did sports and we were outside. A lot of these situations keep a lot of children inside these days. You know, it's, it's a different world. There was a generation gap when I was a kid. I used to hear about it when my parents were talking about the teens of the fifties or the teens of the sixties. I'm a teen of the sixties. And I guess you could say the seventies cause I graduated high school in 1975. Every generation has a, what could be termed a generation gap as we try to understand what does interest the kids of today and what they do do as we're talking about right now? Because not every kid does this. This is just something that's a craze. But it is new. And then when your son grows older and he has his kids, when my boys grow older and they have their kids, they're going to go through their own form. And what does it all come down to? What is the term again? Uh, youth is wasted on the young. What is that proper term? Uh, I don't know. I but you know, know that it's a very true saying. And we never realize – the you know, what it means until we get older is the way I think. Have I ever told you the time uh, that I asked my dad, I was about maybe nine, ten years old, I asked my dad to uh, buy me a condom? No. Yeah, I I asked him to buy me a condom because I found out what they were. And you would think I'd be embarrassed to, like, ask my dad for one. But I I was just so innocent and sweet then. I might still be innocent and sweet now. I don't know. Uh, But I, I wanted to see the condom because I wanted to see if on it it said, congratulations, you're about to have the time of your life. <laughs> Wait, your dad? This is from your dad? No, I asked my dad to buy me a condom because I thought it would say that on the wrapper. Oh, I got I thought, you. I, I thought it would <laughs> congratulate you on, on getting a, a young lady in the, in the sack. Well, the first time I ever saw one, I told it before on the show, was when I was 12. And a, right. a kid in Texas where I was living in Dallas, Texas, came to school. And we were all looking at it like, oh, my God, he just brought a gold bar to school, right? Like we'd never seen this. And then the first time I ever went in to buy condoms as a kid was when I was 16 in Malibu. And I remember I was with my one of my best friends at the time. And it was kind of a nervous situation to walk into a pharmacy because at that day, they didn't have them out displayed like you see in CVS or – other places, you had to go to the counter where you get prescriptions and ask for them, and he had to reach down behind the counter to pull it out to, so you could buy it, right? So I went to the counter, and mm-hmm. as I'm walking up to the counter, nervous already because this is a big move for me at 16, a lot different than kids today, 16, um, because of what we're talking about here, if you understand what I'm saying. My friend in the back of the pharmacy yells out, hey, he wants to buy some condoms. Oh, right? my God. Oh, my God. Embarrassed the heck out of me. I walked out and I looked at him and, you know, had a few words. And then I, I swallowed my breath and walked back in and went, went for my original reason to purchase. 
But it was like, how embarrassed. I was so embarrassed right then. But today, it's no big deal. Even back then, it was no big deal, but it was new because I was a young kid. Now, getting on to some other situations here, talking about kids. We have a few more kids' stories. The the thing about Army teachers is been come up since the, the Parkland shooting, the tragic shooting that happened. It's one thing to arm teachers with something they can protect themselves with. It's another thing to arm teachers with something that actually I don't think will do diddly squat in the in the situation that could be very serious as in a shooter. After the shooting in Parkland, Florida, a school district in Erie, Pennsylvania, has started formulating a safety plan for its school. The safety plan, I, I don't I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at this, but it just seems ridiculous. Have you ever gone to Dodger game? or a baseball game, and bought one of the miniature bats for your son. Yeah, you know, actually, says, one uh, my my son's godmother gave him uh, one of those miniature bats on the day he was born. has a date and everything. Well, Erie, Pennsylvania has formulated a safety plan, and among its measures, and they're handing out miniature wooden baseball bats to all 500 of its school teachers, and they think this is a tool against an active shooter. no. Are you kidding me? I mean, if, it could be if you all rushed one shooter at once, but there's still going to be mass casualties depending on the fire. I don't know, Bruce. I mean, it's not. It's not. I don't <sighs> see this as a smart move. First off, that's like going to a bullet with a light, a, a battle with a lightsaber and trying to deflect bullets. You know, right, at the potential yeah. gun. It I mean, just doesn't make sense. You're literally bringing a, a small baton to a gunfight. That, it's that, a false. It's a false sense of security that right. I feel should not be instilled in teachers. They should be trained as best as possible. But you can't walk face on. Even if you walk behind them and you try to whack them on the head, mm-hmm. no, that is not a billy club, folks. That is not a police baton or a coup baton. That is a miniature baseball bat. I could hit you in the knee, TJ, and you're not even going to flinch unless I really hit you right. Well, I mean, I don't know if I would say that because I think it's still a, a pretty. Uh, violent weapon if, if used the proper way. What? But with, with that said, though, Bruce, uh, I'm sorry. Let's just put this into perspective, okay? It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a toy. It's a novelty item. It's a toy. That's what I'm trying to get across. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And, and anything can be used to do some damage, but let's let's be serious here. Like, uh, what I actually am afraid of is that you would give that to somebody, and instead of actually uh, preventing something like this, a teacher would use it the wrong way, and God, God forbid they'd ever use it on a student who didn't deserve it. Well, then they had to be brought up in charges. It does open up a can of worms, um, but I think the false sense of security, you're not training them. You can't expect them to go out there and charge. I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious we're trying to get across here, but more power to them. If it helps, it helps. Uh, God forbid a situation occurs where it's ever needed to be used. Now, speaking of a situation, we're very big, I speak for you too, TJ, on the right to bear arms and protect your families and your home and your livelihood and all that goes with it. We've also talked about Gun control, reasonable background checks, all the things we discussed on the show. You can go to past shows we've had and learn more. We'll talk about it more on future shows. A tragic situation happened. If you're a parent and you have a child and you own a weapon, you own a gun, you need locks on the trigger, you need the gun locked away, you should never be a chance for your children who are not properly trained and a children under 10 years old is not going to be properly trained or could be. I was properly trained. Uh, from age six on, but still you're taking a chance. You keep them away from young children. And in the case of this, an Indiana man, get this, TJ, he faces, he left a loaded gun in his car, right? He was oh, with I his family. This, yeah. As he shopped, he was in the store. His three-year-old daughter accidentally shot her mother with the gun that he left in the car. He's going to be brought up on serious charges. The horrible thing is she was seven weeks pregnant, right? She was feeling ill, decided to stay in the car. He left a loaded Glock 19, which is a 9-millimeter handgun, right, which was obviously locked and loaded. Major mistake number one. And with a Glock, there is no safety except the safety on the trigger, which is a very light pull. All you have to do, even at three years old, because you might say, how could a three-year-old do that? All they had to do was squeeze that trigger, and boom, it happened. Uh, the children were safe. I, I just I just feel so bad. It's horrible. The you children, don't have a round chambered. I'm sorry. You never have a round You chamber. never have a round chambered. Now, as a result of this, the pregnant wife, mother, 
is obviously hospitalized. The father's been arrested, and now the children are in the custody of the Indiana Department of Child Services. All of this should have never taken place. Very tragic against the people. Right. Again, we could not oppress you more in this time radio. If you're going to own a gun, you need to know all the safety factors about that gun, and you need to train your people appropriately. Enough well, said. What, what bothers me, and, and clearly this father is is going to be held accountable as he should be, but the I don't know if you want to say liberal in me, if the second chance sort of person in me. This horrible, horrible, horrible tragedy and a mistake doesn't mean that he's unfit to be a parent. He, he's, no, unfit to, he's unfit to own a gun and carry it the way that he does. And I'm not saying it's even going to be that way forever. Like maybe maybe he can do whatever he needs to do to better educate himself because I highly doubt any person would make this mistake twice. Uh, but it's not even about making this mistake twice. It's about making a similar mistake or a, another mistake even close to this. Uh, clearly, he 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 was an idiot. There's nothing that I can say, and he, he's paying the ultimate price because I'm sure he's worried sick about his wife. And you know, uh, I don't know what the status of her pregnancy is, but my goodness, Bruce, uh, what are you doing, man? Just what are you doing? I know, I know, it's crazy. Um, that being said, let's go on to something else. Stan Lee, Stan Lee is the uh, you know the famous comic book. How do you say this? I uh, created Greek characters from Marvel. Yeah, I mean he's he's an icon in the comic industry. A total icon. But he's been he's been in the news a lot lately, ranging from elderly abuse uh, accusations towards the people that care for him. Uh, just last week, he wound up suing his ex business manager, uh, claiming the guy swindled him out of some one point four million dollars. Um, and sources tell us that Stan uh, wants twenty million dollars, wants him to pay. He's working on that. Okay, that was a battle on his own. Now. It's come out that he's being accused of sexual assault at, I forget how old Mr. Lee is, 90 years old or whatever. A massage therapist is claiming that he basically rushed up, brushed up against her inappropriately uh, during the whole thing. I mean, he's been in the news every week for something different every week. And now I always worry about, le- not worry, but I always notice with legacies, you spend your whole life creating such goodness and such a, you know, such uh, characters in this case and, right. and the fame he's had and the movies he's been in. I mean, who doesn't love Stan Lee? But now he's got this alleged claim against him. Uh, another example of what's, you know, what's happening. You've got to be truth, careful. Truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, either he was the terrible person the entire time and now it's just all coming to light. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's elderly. You know what I mean? I don't want to say that that's his yeah, I'm not uh, saying excuse, but, but, yeah. but my, my, my point is, is like, we are so quick to react in this Twitter sphere, this this news instant uh, gratifying sort of nature. You want something, you can get it right now. We jump to conclusions. We very rarely ever read corrections or retractions in, in media. Um, I'm with you, Bruce. Like, it, it's hard. It's, it's hard to sort of know what is and what isn't fact here and, and what we need to sort of keep an open mind about and what we need to do to, to maybe think that, okay, he's not the, the person we thought he was. Uh, but yeah, the truth is somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the middle. Now, another situation that's really weird. Did you ever watch the TV show Smallville? Uh, I mean, I'm aware of it. I probably saw an episode or two, but I, I couldn't tell you anything about it. Well, there was a, an actress on there, um, named Allison Mack. And this story is weird. She's been arrested and indicted on sex trafficking, sex trafficking, conspiracy, Oh. As conspiracy to commit forced labor charges. Now, what this means is she's allegedly forced women into sex slavery and took collateral from them in the form of compromising photos and recorded confessions of past crimes that they did. And she did that so she could blackmail them into staying in this this DOS uh, thing that they had. They call it DOS. I don't know why they call it that. Um, but anyway, to stay in this in this uh, cult, shall we say that she had put together. She directed the woman to have sex with the man that ran the cold, a man named Rainier. She required them to remain celibate, to not even masturbate. As we said on This Time Radio, we talk about everything on This Time. I'm, a, I'm reading a, a news story that was very, very, uh, I don't want to say popular. That's not the word, but it was everywhere just in the last right. few days. Right. It's, it's, it's legit. It's legit. So she required them to remain celibate, not masturbate, and grow out their pubic hair to please this leader of the cult named Rainier, right? They also had the slaves participate in readiness drills. And what that meant is 
they were required because they were slaves. They were required to respond to their masters any time, day or night. The the women were sleep deprived. They were starved to the point that their own menstrual cycle stopped because of lack of nutrition. Right. And Brooklyn federal prosecutors are trying to get her bail extremely high. She now faces 15 years to life in prison. And this was a situation where they made money. And the sex cult was called NXIVM. I don't even know how to properly say that word. Nixvim or whatever. So this is going to be an ongoing case. There we go. Sex slavery. I mean, how can anybody even think? Well, again, who knows what goes on in the minds of They're not of, thinking. They're, they're, they're not demented thinking. people, uh, allegedly. Uh, we got to throw that out there. But I, yeah, I don't know, Bruce. It's very rare that you hear. I guess I don't know a ton about the trafficking uh, laws when it comes to that sort of thing uh, and, and the offenders. But I, these these suspects generally are, are men. So to hear that it's a woman and a well-known woman that's being charged with something like this, is it's a little uh, – it catches you off guard a little bit. Yeah, it does catch you off guard most definitely. Anyway, let's go to a lighter story. How's this? Let's go something oh, a little lighter. We have our guest coming on, uh, Kevin Lee, after his amazing bout with Edson Barboza in Atlantic City at the UFC in the Octagon last Saturday. Looking forward to having him on here in a few minutes. And I know he's uh, going to be a, a really, really awesome interview. Collectibles. Uh, I want to tell you about it because I like to keep our audience. Uh, we talk about collectibles a lot on the show. I'm a big sports memorabilia collector. I collect movie memorabilia, posters. Uh, I'm an antique weapon collector. Uh, I love if it's history. worth collecting, you collect it. If it's worth collecting and it's a good investment. That's true. <clears throat> aside from my own passion for some of the stuff I collect, which I just want to have because I want to have it. So here's an example of the wax packs unopened uh, that I went through uh, noticing here. They just sold a 61 Fleer, 1961 Fleer basketball wax pack, which has possibly the rookie card of Wilt Chamberlain in it. I bought two of these packs two years ago. For an average of $1,000. They just sold for, one just sold for over $1,700. Ooh, wow. An That's a $700 return on your investment already if you were to sell one. Exactly, which is basically, like I've always said on the show, buy properly 20 to 30% a year. This pack has now realized 35% growth per year, roughly. Okay, that's a heck of a return. And it's a gold brick. When I say gold brick on this show, you must understand that what I mean by gold brick, it's a collectible that is liquidable almost immediately. You put it on eBay, it will be gone in the five or seven day period or 10 day period. You care to give it time to sell. Another pack was the 86 Fleer basketball pack, which has the Michael Jordan rookie amongst other rookies, such as um, uh, who's our favorite guy in the show? Our, our basketball player has been on the show. I'm helping. I'm brain farting. Uh, Barkley, 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 Barkley. Oh, sorry, sorry. Terrible, terrible. Terrible. Charles, friend of the show. Sorry, Charles. I brain farted for a second. You're my buddy. Sorry about that. When when you say Charles Barkley, I just think about how amazing golfer he is. uh, Yeah, but he likes to bet on that golf course along with Michael Jordan, as we all know. Anyway, I got a FLIR pack yesterday, and I managed to get a good buy on it for $1,000, a PSA graded eight pack, which has uh, Charles Barkley's rookie card. Uh, on the bottom that I can see it. You can see the rookie card, right? Right. So I got to tell Chuck that I got this. I got to show it to him, try and get him to sign it. But anyway, one sold you. I just bought this for $1,000. I paid. I'll probably trade, by the way, because he's such a UFC fan. You know, you give him a Topps autograph card, he'll gladly sign yours. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to work out that way, but we'll, hopefully it will. He's got to phrase but, it that way. I'll phrase it that way. Anyway, so I bought these two packs of 86 Fleer I had before about uh, three years ago for $450 each or four years ago. Now, this pack that I managed to get a good price on yesterday through a friendly collector I know just sold on eBay for $1,520. So yeah. now in the four years that I've had these packs, these this one particular 86 Fleer basketball pack, it has now gone up roughly 400%. In four years, that is almost, if you want to average it out, roughly about 80% or so a year. Not a bad investment. No, it's huge. Not a bad investment. That's huge. Now, what's really huge, back in 1952, Topps made cards, which was Mickey Mantle's baseball rookie card, okay? Now, the funny thing is, is that this card just sold for a tremendous amount of money, which I will tell you in a second, Right? Tops in its second year of business 
they had a hard time getting interest in selling the packs and cards they were making, which goes back to like 1952. They wound up selling these cards at carnivals for like a penny apiece. And after seven years, when they were adding up in the Brooklyn warehouse, they wanted to dump all the remaining unsold packs into the Atlantic Ocean because they Atlantic, uh, yeah, the Atlantic Ocean because they were taking up too much space in their warehouse, right? So what happened is a guy went in named Evan Mathis, who's an old NFL NFL offensive lice, uh, excuse me, lineman, excuse me, lineman. Just getting my tongue, my words twisted here. He just decided to sell his fifty-two Manny Mickey Mantle baseball card, which he got before they dumped him in the ocean. To finance a new home in Tennessee that his wife and his daughters wanted to buy. What do you think it sold for, TJ? Uh, I, I'm not good. I'm not good at these sort of two, things. $2.88 million. Oh, wow. One card. One card. That, that's a piece of cardboard. Yep, piece of cardboard, but supply and demand. There are very few pieces around. I will tell you, when I started heavily collecting cards with Brian, my brother, back in the early 90s, I had a chance to buy one of these 52 Mickey Mantle cards. I don't know if it was in the same quality, uh, you know, the PSA 9 that this was that it sold for, but I could have bought one back then, which was way too much money I ever cared to spend back then. I could have bought it for, for roughly $45,000. But that's sort of the fun of collecting, too, knowing that you had an opportunity and, and you know, you weren't in the position at that time to do it. But uh, the the wins, they wouldn't be as sweet if you didn't have some of those defeats. You know what I mean? Exactly, and I enjoy everything I have. I've done well with it. But people, if you have questions about collectible cards, collectible weaponry, collectible movie memorabilia, email TJ DeSantis at SureDog.com. We'll discuss it on the show, and I'll do my best to give you a appropriate, approximate, modern-day value of the collectible you own. Okay? Yeah, we got to do, do an Antiques Roadshow edition of its time again. We've, we've talked about it a few times. We'll, we'll definitely do it sometime soon. We will do it, and we're going to have my brother Brian on, who's an absolute expert in so many fields, as I consider myself to be, but he's even far beyond me when it comes to sports collectibles. With that all being said, I'm looking forward to that show. We've got Kevin Lee. We're going to have him on the show here. TJ, I know he's waiting for our call. Let's bring on the UFC warrior, the man who's definitely making a name for himself. Let's bring on Kevin Lee. It's time! You asked for it, and you got it. At BruceBuffer.com. Championship introductions at a special rate are now provided for all of you as a keepsake for life, like you are being introduced like a champion in the cage. Just go to BruceBuffer.com. Specials for championship introductions, weddings, birthdays, voicemail, and business recordings. I'm here for you if you need me. Check me out at BruceBuffer.com. It's time to begin! (laughs) Who am I kidding? I'll let him do it. It's time! Now, back to the voice of MMA, Bruce Buffer. PJ, I'm real excited about our next guest, and I'll tell you why. I was in Atlantic City last week, as we discussed earlier on the show. Uh, Dynamite show, a lot of action. So impressed by the gentleman coming on the show. As I've been impressed before, I'm, I'm growing to be a big fan of his. I was a fan before Saturday night, but Saturday night he created a highlight reel, not just in one kick heard and seen around the world, but in a fight for five rounds seen and heard around the world. So let's bring on Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee, the lightweight UFC fighter, the man, the warrior spirit in the making, stronger and stronger. Kevin, how are you? Man, what an introduction. Uh, I, I'm honored to be here, Bruce, for sure. Uh, you, you the man. I don't even know what else to say. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Your kind words will always be always be held close. Trust me. Kevin, um, you know, it's always a, a pleasure to be in the octagon sharing my office with you while you share your skills, your blood, sweat, and tears, entertaining everybody, and, and moving on forward in your career, which is just moving like dynamite. You were the number six ranked light excuse me featherweight fighter or excuse me lightweight fighter going into saturday night Mm -hmm. i'm sure that's gone down in the rankings you've got a lot ahead of you a great job and when i said the highlight reel your battle was a battle to be seen to be reckoned with you got hit with that kick the wheel kick that barboza is so famous for with the highlight reel that he has you went into the moves you went into and by the way really good dance moves kevin we're going to figure out a name for that soon But yeah, I, I, I got to add it into my six o'clock class. I already, I already told the ladies down at the studio. 
Absolutely. <laughs> oh, we're gonna, I want to hear about that. I didn't know you're doing that. So that's something I want to hear. But I hear ladies in studio. I want to hear about it. So, yep, yep. <laughs> Kevin, you came back from that in a way that I have to go on record as saying with respect to all the fighters, all the great warriors who walk in the octagon, and I think TJ will back me up on this too. I don't think, and I'm being conservative and, and kind here, I don't think 80% of the fighters active and, and inactive today would come back from the wheel kick. You got hit by a devastating kickboxer, and that's in Barboza. And you came back because, in my opinion, of three things, conditioning, heart, and true warrior spirit, along with a subliminal natural reaction that held you strong with the will to win. Is that a proper way you think to put it, or could you add to that? I, I wish I could. I mean, it's just that I don't, I don't you know, people ask me, too, uh, uh, about that kick and what was going through my mind at the time. And uh, before this fight, I knew how explosive and how dangerous and how good of an athlete uh, Barboza was and that I had to stay on my P's and Q's the whole time. And I, and I thought the, the winner of this this fight was going to be the person that overcame it uh, mentally. Um, and so the biggest focus for me before going in was just keeping myself mentally sharp. That that kick, like, that was the – if you see it, you can see right before uh, I was about to say something to him or I took my mind off him for a split second and, and he, he spun around quicker than I could see. He, he, he hit me pretty good with it, but what kept me there was just I immediately – I could hear my coach, Robert Fallis, in my head. And that that's not me, like, even exaggerating. Like, I literally can hear the things that he used to say to me. Uh, and I was saying them to myself in my head over and over. So even as I was getting rocked and days, I I just kept what he said in in my head. And you can even see that during uh, during the uh, uh, corner, the corner camp. I'm in there, and I was talking. But I was really talking for Robert because he wasn't there uh but that kept me mentally strong, and that kept me in it. Uh, yeah, there was the conditioning and, and, and uh, my game plan. I just got right back on my game plan. So there's a couple other factors, but I think mostly it was the mental, uh, the mental side of it and staying mentally focused the whole time uh, for the rest of that fight. You know, and, and even in the third round, I wanted to make it a point to stand up with them. And, you know, the judges still gave me that round, I thought, uh, and it was the rest of the round was finished and standing with one of the most dangerous strikers in the division. No question. And one of the things you did so beautifully is that when you take a kickboxer like Edson Barboza, you've got to prevent him, as you did so beautifully, from from getting his distance, planting his feet and getting his distance. Well, I happened to be sitting where I sit, and his corner crew was beside me. And they were getting so frustrated at your ability to smother him and keep him against the cage because they wanted him to be center octagon to create his distance so he could do what he's so great at doing. And also, one thing I noticed in you, and I'm noticing your improvement every time I see you fight, when I used to train, I always trained left side, right side. I make sure that I was able to move every kick, every punch I could throw from each side, even though I'm right-handed. And I'm, you know, I'm basically regular foot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You switch. You're switching his stances. You're switching your defense when you switched, whether it was left or right. It was. It was really amazing to watch because I've not seen anybody. Um, how do I say? Uh, what is the proper word? Subdue or smother the kickboxer that Edson Barboza is the way you did, and you did it beautifully. I got to say one thing for Edson. That is one tough son of a bitch. There's no question. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I'm sorry I said that. I had to say it to give him credit. I should have said SOB. I don't normally curse. But it's like – No, you got it. Wow. Yeah, tough. And he'll be back. He'll be back stronger than ever. You want to fight him again? Uh, yeah, 100%. Like you said, he, he's still one of the, the top athletes in his division. He's still going to make uh, some waves out here. He's going to come back. He's going to knock some fools out. Uh, I mean, he, he's definitely one of the top strikers for sure. Uh, some of my focus on, on the fight itself, you know, people were asking me before, am I just going to follow the Khabib game plan? And, and Khabib kind of set that tone. But I think Khabib just ran at him like a truck. Uh, and Khabib was still getting hit with big shots and, uh, and and didn't really land too many on the feet himself. I wanted to show more of a complete game, uh, a complete MMA game, really. You know, kickbox with the kickboxer a little bit. And like you said, I got to throw off that distance. It's a little bit different than kickboxing. Uh I just want to be able to do it all. I want to be able to fight southpaw, orthodox, however it is, because with a guy like Barboza, uh, a great kickboxer like that, they thrive kind of off that off that uh, that rhythm. And if you let him set that rhythm, if you let him set that pace, then then he's going to have his way with you. 
if I'm continuously throwing them off by going southpaw and being comfortable enough to switch back back and forth without getting caught in between, uh, then, then I'm, I'm going to have a good night. And, and I feel like it keeps even my future opponents guessing. They don't know, you know, if I'm coming out and I'm going to be on my toes, if I'm backing up, if I'm coming forward, uh, if I'm stalking them, if I'm, if I'm wrestling, if I'm kicking, if I'm boxing. You know, I think that's really uh, kind of the true form of MMA, not just, you know, going out there and just imposing my game plan and not focusing on what his uh, strengths and weaknesses are. So against any against any opponent, I want to be able to to do it all against them and keep hitting them with stuff that they don't see coming. Exactly true, and you showed all of that. I think there was maybe two moments during the fight. Obviously, one when you got caught with the kick, and I think it was in the fourth round that he managed to get his distance because his corner was really on him about it. But by that time, you know, it's the old story in life. Whether you're doing business, whether you're like me at a poker table doing business or even fighting or whatever, always keep your opponent thinking. You know, they have to constantly be figuring you out. And the change-ups that you did were, were beautiful. So congratulations on that fight. Real quick question, then I want to go into something about Kevin Lee, the man. I want to know more about you as the person you are, aside from the grand fighter, only to become a much greater fighter as time goes on. Um, you grew up in Detroit, right? Born mm-hmm. and raised. Uh, was that like in the 9-mile, 10-mile uh, area? No, no. Actually, I grew up in uh, seven miles, six mile. You know, I actually grew up in, in, in the heart of the city. Uh, mm-hmm. I went to school. You know, my mom, she did a great job of, of, of making sure I, I, I had always had the resources that I needed. Uh, so she would take us up to nine miles, 10 miles to go to school uh, in, in the suburbs. You know, for people who aren't from from the city, eight mile is kind of the, the divider between the, the city itself and the suburbs. Uh, so my, my mom did a great job making sure I, I didn't go to school around seven miles, but that's where I was born and raised at least. Good for mom. I love my mom. Sounds like you love yours. Always good to have that mom as our support factor. No, definitely. Oh yeah. Always. That was um, one of my first things. As soon as I, as soon as I left the city and, and, and came over to Las Vegas, they were right behind me a month later, uh, in a condo with their own. So, you know, I always cool. put on for my mom. So got to, you got, you know, it's good. She'll keep you grounded. You know, when I get back, from these Elvis Presley weekends and all these great things or other appearances outside the UFC. You know, one of the first things I do, Kevin, I usually land on Sunday. I'm, I'm, I'm Italian. My mom knows how to make homemade meatballs and pasta. I go to mom's house and I get grounded again. I, I get back to who I really am, you know, and that's, that's where family is yeah. very important. And, and, that, and that's important to have. Uh, you know, I, I talked with Joe Rogan yesterday about this and, and how guys get delusional or how guys get, uh, you know, you, it, it's very easy for, especially for a man, once those, uh, once those hormones get to going and you start feeling like you're the man and, and uh, you know, can't nobody really tell you nothing. You, you need somebody that, that's going to keep you, that's going to keep you grounded. And, and nobody does that better than family in general, it, it, whether it's mom, dad, cousin, whatever, whoever that is, uh, you need that person. And, and for me, it's my mom, it's, it's my girl, it's, it's you know, the, the people close to me, and you got to keep them close to you. Absolutely. It's great to hear. And I can see that when I see you and when you're on nights at the Octagon where you're not fighting, you're handling yourself, you always look in shape, you're great to the fans, you're courteous, you dress well. You've got all the factors to have the full it factor to be a supreme, not just mixed martial artist, but also to be a role model in this sport, which role models are kind of a dying breed. There are a lot of people out there. But I, to me, it's very important because of the young people, the young boys, the young girls that are watching the UFC, your peers that are watching the UFC. They're going to emulate you. They're going to follow you. And just know that when you're doing that, as I think you already do, that the importance of that, because to be a great fighter, one of the greatest fighters I ever liked in UFC was Randy Couture. Not just because of the way he handled himself in the octagon, but it's also as important as I think you realize, Kevin, how you handle yourself outside the octagon, surrounding yourself with the right people, not the hangers-on, the people going to cause you issues like some other people we know have gone through recently, and we'll touch on that in a second. But did you have any role models uh, growing up aside from your wonderful family and your mom? Did you have anybody that you looked up to that was an influence on you as you started entering this world of UFC and MMA? Uh, you know, it didn't really start until I was about 15, 16, uh, and, and it had to be George St. Pierre, uh, if, if I gave it to anyone. It's, it, you know, he was the first person that I saw fight, and he was also the first person that really made me appreciate fighting. You know, you could tell he was thinking out there. You could tell he was a he, he wasn't just a uh, you know he was a true athlete and a true and a true artist. You know, when you when you see somebody that that is really 
good at what they do, and, and you could tell that's their life's work. Uh, and, and I think that's what makes you, you so great, Bruce. Uh, I mean, when, when, you, when we see you doing what you do, you can tell it's a life's work put into it. it it's creativity that's put into it, and it's consistency. Uh, and I think, you know, those are the type of people that, that I kind of look up to and, and, and I want to emulate. And, you know, there's great people who are great at what they do, and what they do is, uh, isn't necessarily who, what makes them, but uh, it, it, it's, a, it's an expression of, of their, like, their personality and, and everything into it. So I, I just try my best to, to emulate the greats that, that are, you know, I mean, and it's definitely like George St. Pierre. He, he, he had to be the one that, uh, that I could really give it to. Thank you for those kind words towards myself. I sincerely appreciate them, Kevin. Thank you. And, you, and you're right about GSP. GSP has been a friend of mine for years, um, one of the great, greatest of all times as far as I'm concerned, the way he handles himself, again, in and outside the octagon. Uh, just an amazing human being. And to touch on him for a second, I happened to catch like literally 10 minutes of your podcast with Joe Rogan yesterday. I was, I was training this morning, and I plugged it in when I was doing some cardio, but I had, I had to leave. I'm going to listen to more because it was such a fascinating interview. But I caught the part where you were talking about George told you about that, that saying, fake it till you make it, right? Mm-hmm. And that is a great saying. I've trained thousands of people how to sell from age 19 on, and they always want to be the best. And I said, listen, to be the best, sometimes without lying to the people you're dealing with, you have to fake it till you make it. And what that means is it's your attitude towards yourself and towards what you're doing at the time that you can be the greatest or, or fight like the champion you want to be and will be. But it's about the moment right now. Fake it till you make it. Believe in yourself. You'll get it done. But I'm going to tell you where that phrase came from. There's a – in the 1950s, a woman created a uh, – direct marketing company called Mary Kay Cosmetics, right? And she used to train her people as they sold to get their to win their pink Cadillacs and all they had. And her big emphasis when you became a new salesman in her company was the phrase, fake it till you make it. In other words, be a winner to become a winner. So if you understand where I'm coming from, the way you explain that, it is a great saying. You're not lying to people by saying that. It's a feeling within to become the greatest, to become the best you can be. It's a smart move, yeah. and I like the fact that George told you that. Yeah, and and I, and I think that's uh, it's it's something that's kind of universal too. Uh, like I said, some people they hear that and they take it negatively, but it's it's it, there's no negative connotation to it really. Uh, you even hear about people, and I've done this a little bit too. You know, you hear about people with the that almost create like an alter ego of themselves, and it's not necessarily that that's not them. It's just an exaggeration, or it's a or it's another portion of their personality you know i think i think that's what's one of the best things about people is there's so many layers to to everybody you know there's a lot of layers to me there's a lot of layers to 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 and pretty much every human out here uh and sometimes you can dig into those layers if you have to you know i that's what i do when i when i know when to turn it on is when i'm turning to mtp you know mtp is a little bit different than the kevin lee you gonna get on a sunday you know, mm-hmm. NTP on a Saturday night, you don't know, he's, he's just a little bit different. And I got to okay. tap into that sometimes. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. And I think, I think it's okay. Uh, I, could you, could you, Kevin, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I don't know if I cut out there. No, no, no. You're all there. We're just, oh. I'm just fascinated listening to you. It's your dais. You can say anything you want. And what you just said is so true. And as a, as a, uh, a parable to that, when I was training salespeople on the telephone, telemarketing back, you know, young kids, nineteen, twenty, you know, they weren't the best salespeople, whatever. But it, it's legal as a salesman to use a different name when you're telemarketing. So I used to mm. teach them. I say, listen, if you're not comfortable with your name and it doesn't make you feel like you could be the best salesman in the world, think about who you'd like to be, and just change your name around and assume that personality when you're getting on the phone and making your two hundred calls today to get your sales. And it's like. Be the greatest before you become the greatest by envisioning yourself as the greatest. So it, all different ways to put it, but I like the theory. I like the way it works for you. Let's take a step out for a second away from this. You have the personality, as I mentioned. You have the marketability. You have the fighting prowess. You're a great-looking guy. You could probably do modeling if you want. There's other things you can do, whether it's the acting and all of that. You want to grab all those revenue streams when they come become available to you and make use of of them, aside from focusing on the nucleus of what's at hand as becoming the greatest fighter you could be to be a champion in the UFC. And congratulations on your bonus Saturday night. You deserved it very much. So with that talking, you're very good at trash talk and building a fight, right? 
I, I notice it. And then we see other people like one of the greatest trash talkers in Conor McGregor, who's actually gone beyond the level of what's proper as trash talk. Do you watch all these people around you and how they're building fights and say, this is what I think should be done. This is what not should be done. This is the way to do it. Are you, are you constantly criticizing, criticizing or evaluating yourself on how you want to grow in your marketability and ability to market your upcoming fights? Yeah, 100%. I think that that goes along with, uh, like I said, the, the biggest thing to me is to be the most well-rounded fighter. Uh, and that goes along with being well-rounded you, you, is to get people in, interested in the fight because that does take energy. Uh, it does take a, it does take something. And, you know, the greats are, are the ones that are also able to get you behind them too. Uh, but there, there's so many ways to do it that it, yeah, it gets, a little, it gets stale when everybody's doing the the same thing, or or one guy continuously does the same thing. You know, if you uh, just to throw on Connor, you know, if he's throwing a temper tantrum at, at one press conference, and then the next one you're like, oh, okay, he's gonna throw a temper tantrum, and then the next one he's gonna do it again. And it's like, okay, you know, let's 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 see something else here. Let's 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 build off this. You know, and I, and I think real real fans or real uh, uh, real artists or real people that that really understand the game and, and and are interested in it they want to see something more they want to see more depth to it and and like i said there, there's so many layers to the onion like let's let's see something else there's so many different ways to do it there's so many people that that are great at promoting fights and, and doing what they do it's not always you know let me i gotta throw a chair at you or something like that to get or it, it even has to be a hate thing you know there mm-hmm. there yeah there's gonna be fights where where i'm gonna have this this build up with guys and there's going to be future fights where I'm going to have build up with guys for us talking shit back and forth and whatever we're going to do. Uh, but then there's going to be fights where uh, like Edson Barboza, I mean, he, he's just a great athlete. I mean, it's a great fight. The fight sells itself uh, between two of the best athletes in the division. We don't necessarily need all the, 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 you know, the, the trash talk and all that to, to really sell the fight. The fight sells itself. So I, I, I mean, I just appreciate all aspects of the game. The, the trash talk and all that, it, it comes natural to me, too. Like, I, I like it. It takes some of my mind off the rest of the game. Uh, so, yeah, I just kind of do what does natural, and, and every fight is different. Well, you're doing really well. Uh, the best advice I can give, aside from, you know, any other advice I could ever give you, which my phone number is always open to you because I've obviously been in this game a long time, and there's ways to build a fight. You don't even have to curse to create the most, you know, the most reaction. You always handle yourself with class. If you're going to curse, say it when it really means it. If you're saying the, the fuck word 25 times in three sentences, <laughs> to me it just loses its whole impact. You know, it's just, oh, my God, they're hearing it again. Hey, here's some you, perspective. You've sworn three times in the 10 years we've done this show, and one of them was today. So there you go. Yeah. I guess true. <laughs> well, you know why? You know why, Kevin? If I get – if I want to – if I curse, there's three things that are going to happen. I'm either never going to do business with you again because I can't stand you. You either cheated me. We have a real problem that we've got to deal with, however that needs to be dealt with, if you know what I'm saying. Or it's time to walk out of the room because it's not happening. I don't need that kind of energy around me. You surround yourself with good people. You stay good people. Surround your, It's all you know. It's who you're with, who you build with. And I think you already know this. I think you're right on the right track. Um, and just keep up the good work because you're in a maturation process, which has many years to come. You're 25 years old, if I'm not mistaken. You've got the world at your fingertips. You're at the height of your career right now. Make the right decisions, Kevin. Handle it with class. You always handle it. That's nothing. I've always seen you handle yourself with class. Keep it up, Kevin. Try to keep that straight ah. and narrow. Don't get swayed, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Like I said, I mean, that, that it, it's such a compliment to come from somebody like you, especially. Uh, I mean, it's. You know, there'll never be another one like you in the game. I, respect all the way around the board, uh, and I appreciate it. I, I do. I mean, it's it, it's good to know, you know, it's, it's good to see some recognition at least uh, a little bit for the work it, because it, it, it's it's a hard game. Uh, it's, a, it's a hard life to live and, and to do it all while still going through the challenges of life and understanding uh, and, and trying to mature at the same time as a person, as a man, as a fighter, all that. Uh, it, 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 it's nice, and, and I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And, TJ, you and I have had so many fighters on the show. I love how Kevin's talking. He's He's got it. And I'm going to say that again. I don't mean to butter your bread so much, Kevin. I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm, I'm a fan of yours. I'm becoming a fan more every time you fight. And also, too, you said something on the other day. If you were on that bus at the Barkley Center when Connor attacked the bus, you would have gotten off the bus and handled business. 
And I believe you. I believe you would have. Yeah. You know, that, that's a hero yeah, and attitude. And I mean, and, and that's the thing. Uh, the way I grew up is, like you said, you keep good people around you, you stay good people. Uh, and if you if you involve yourself with bad people, you you will be. And and that's kind of like the philosophy that I had growing up is I, I knew where to go and who who to mess with and who not to. Uh, and I and I just didn't never bother anybody, but or I never crossed the line. When when somebody crosses the line like that, you have to, or at least I was told as a kid, like you 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 got to do something about it. You got to retaliate. I mean that's just the way that things should be. Uh, and, and everybody points to the to the Michael Chiesa thing. Uh, you know, our job out there was to sell the fight. It, it was to talk, and, and you know, I did I did my thing. You know, I'm, I'm talking. To, I, I like to, to play my game. But the minute that he, you know, the the way that was set up, there, there's blue corner on one side, red corner on the other side, Dana in the middle to separate them. And once you step over that line between the separation, well, then now there 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 has to be retaliation. I mean, that's that's. I think that's the right way to do it, and and that's what it would have been on the bus. You know, the the minute that he picked up a dolly and, and threw it in in that general direction and, and broke that safety net, then you then you gotta. I mean, it's it's something that has to retaliate there. Otherwise, you you feed into that bully mentality, or you letting somebody run all over you. And and that's you know, it, it's no place in, in in the world for that. You you can really, you know, you can take it and leave it. Agreed. And, you know, those fighters obviously cutting weight. Uh, they were held on the bus, whatever. I, I understand. I appreciate. And I also emulate your attitude because that's my attitude. I'm, I'm with you all yeah. the way. And, and I want to talk about a true American hero before I let you go. There's two people that impressed me very much in the last few days. Saturday night, obviously yourself, extremely impressed. But this horrific shooting that happened at the Waffle House, this American hero that stood up to that shooter, uh, James Shaw, Jr., uh, took a shot, you know, a bullet grazing his elbow, wrestled away the assault weapon, managed to stop God knows how many more people from getting killed or wounded in that horrific situation. I just, while I have you on the show, I just want to say kudos to this man. I think he's a true American hero. Uh, he should be at the White House tomorrow morning. Uh, there's been celebrities going out, and they started to go fund me for him, TJ. And, Kevin, they started to go fund me because it's already raised about $50,000, so this man could take his family away, take a vacation. I think he should be given a million dollars. You know, it's just I believe in heroes, Kevin. I'm still old-fashioned, a little old school, but I do believe in heroes. And heroes involves standing up for what you believe in and standing up for what is right. Incredible. I mean, like you said, double salute to him especially. Uh, you know, I, I've got to do a couple things with the military and, and uh, young kids that, that that are going off to war. And, and, and they kind of, you know, because it's, it's a little similar between fighting and, and you know, they, they end up becoming fans of a lot of fighters. And at the end of the day, I have to tell them, like, you guys are the real heroes. You guys are the real, you know, I, I go out here and, I, and I'm, I'm super lucky to be able to do what I love to do. Uh, and to get paid for it, and, and this is my profession, and entertain people and all that. But at the end of the day, it's the, those are like the, the real type of heroes uh, that I really look up to. And, you know, I, I, same with you, double salute to the man. Uh, have him at the White House this morning. Yep, I'm with you all the way. And uh, with that note being said, on a very positive note, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for everything you're doing. And thank you for your attitude, Kevin. It's very refreshing. And I'm just going to tell you one thing. I don't say this to many fighters, but I want to see you go far after you won your fight. If you remember what I said to you, I want to see you make millions because every fighter deserves that chance based on their performance and how they handle themselves, not just in the octagon, but outside the octagon. Keep up the great work, Kevin. I'll always be there to support you. I'm always in your corner, and my phone is open to you whenever you need any kind of advice. You just want to shoot the cropola and talk about something, okay? I love it, Bruce. You the man. Thank you, Kevin. Now, go have some fun, man. You should be celebrating every <laughs> night. However you want to do it, go have some fun. Yeah, it's been all work for me. I'm, I'm over in L.A. Uh, doing a lot of media. It's been all work so far, but uh, maybe this weekend. You never know. Uh, you enjoy yourself. I live in L.A. If you're out anywhere crazy this weekend, let me know. Maybe I'll stop by. Oh, there you go. Thank you, Bruce. All right, listen, go have some fun. Take care of yourself, my friend. My best to you and your family, your wonderful mom for the support she gives you. And just keep up the great work, my man. Keep up, stay classy, keep it classy. Do Keep doing what you're doing, Kevin. Thank you, brother. All right, take care, buddy. Thank you so much. Potential future champ, Buff.
Yeah, I'm telling you, it's you know they're without no disrespect to any of the fighters because you and I love all the fighters who deserve to have the respect shown at them. This is one of them. He's got the potential. It's going to be great watching his career as it progresses and it matures. So with that being said. Everybody, want to get a hold of TJ? Where do they do it, TJ? Uh, TJ DeSantis at SureDog.com. would appreciate if you would check out uh, my service called Between Rounds Radio. It's a full MMA podcast service. we got Ally Quinta up over there, Jordan Breen, myself, uh, Patreon.com forward slash Between Rounds. Uh, it'd be fun if uh, you go check it out. Fantastic. For me, Instagram is at Bruce Buffer UFC, Twitter at Bruce Buffer. Or go to BruceBuffer.com for all the recordings and everything I do special for the fans upon their request. All the information is there. We will be back next week with another great show. This was an excellent show. Lots to cover. Thanks to Kevin Lee for coming on the show. Thanks to TJ DeSantis for being my partner going on 10 years. And thanks to Revolver Podcast Network, our new host. It's really great being with them. We'll be back next week, everybody. Treat everybody around you with respect. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Be a role model to your sphere of influence. Set your goals, learn about them, write them down, pick that path, go out on that path, and what? Do what? It's called be the best you can be. Because life is about winning, and all we can ever do is be the best we can be. Do it with respect, do it with class. See you next week. Buffer out. It's time with Bruce Buffer is a TJ DeSantis production and is property of Buffer Enterprises Incorporated. Its content is intended for private use only. Sorry I'm late, everyone. It's all right. The meeting's just getting started. Are you in your closet? Yeah, it's the quietest place. <laughs> ah, not the roomiest, though. Getting closer with your closet these days? That a uh, dinosaur costume behind you? What? No. <laughs> the Container Store's custom closet sale is here to help with up to 25% off closet systems and free virtual in-home closet design. Who wants Sean to put on the dino suit? Really, guys? The Container Store, where space comes from. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities, up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply.